Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. guys, welcome back. Um, we're going to continue our little journey here through 1 Peter 3, and we're going to start <clears throat> in 1 Peter 3.13. We just got done talking about um, basically uh, how God views sort of acting in unrighteous, evil ways, and that this is not something he honors and not something he wants you to do, uh, and that your prayers will actually be hindered in some way. I mean, uh, I don't know how all that works. I just know that it it is because <laughs> that's what he says. And he says it very clearly. And even contextually, I can't argue in any way that that, that is something other than that. So um, how you behave matters. Again, it doesn't affect your righteousness and your holiness because that's only in Christ Jesus. But your sins still hurt. They still hurt you. They still hurt others. They still hurt the heart of God. Um and wound your lover. And there's none of these things that we want to do. So it's like, why stop sinning when, when all of your sin is covered under grace, when he forgives you at every level, when you're washed clean and made holy by the blood of the lamb, when you are absolutely 100% sanctified and glorified and justified all because of him and through nothing you've done. Um, why stop sinning? Well, that's why you stop sinning. You stop sinning because all of those things are true. You stop sinning because it's a free gift. You stop sinning because he gave this to you and laid down his life for you. Um, but you also stop sinning because of the way it affects your relationships. And again, your relationship with yourself, it affects your relationship with others, and it, it affects your relationship with God. I'm not talking about how he sees you. I'm just talking about how he, the things, the way he can interact with you. It's like, um, I just, I just want to let you know that there is uh, an element of that, that he, it says like your prayers will be hindered if you treat your wife with dishonor. And he says, um, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So it's like, you know, he's, he's not going to turn his face towards you when you are committing evil. And this is like what you want to do. Like it's, Again, this is most of us, this isn't us. I mean, most of us listening to this podcast, most of us um, who love Jesus, our hearts are given to him. We would, we would be abhorred. We would be horrified if we were caught, not caught doing evil. I mean, we, were, we, we would be horrified if we knew that we were in evil, put it that way. We'd be horrified if we knew that we were somehow walking in evil and slandering people. That is the last thing we want to do. We want to be lovers and we want to do right. Um, you know, and so I think this rebuke is really just trying to say, hey, guys, if there's any of you walking in this sort of delusion in any way, like understand this is not the heart of God and he will not bless this kind of behavior. So anyway, um, so verse 13, he says this after he basically ends it by saying or verse 12, he ends by saying um, and he his ears attend to their prayer, meaning his ears attend to the prayer of the righteous. And again, the righteous only can be righteous in Christ Jesus. But in this context, he's also saying my ear, his ears will attend to the prayer of those who are choosing to walk in their righteousness. Um, and there's something about that. And the, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So just understand that like when you're doing evil actively, it's not something God can bless. It's not something he can look at and go, oh, that's awesome. Like it's just not who he is. Um, so I hope I'm making sense about this. I, I want to let you know that you'll find this struggle that I'm going through even reading through this text. 
in lots of texts in the Bible. And it wasn't just me struggling with it. It was like, you can hear Peter struggle with it. You can hear uh, Paul for certain. You can hear John struggle with it. And what I mean by struggling with what? Struggling with the fact that they understand something. They understand that all of your holiness and righteousness and perfection comes only from Christ Jesus, that no man would boast, that it's all because of his work done to you and none of your work, um, that it really is like him imputing righteousness to you, meaning imputation is a theological term, meaning giving you his righteousness as a free gift, as if you have done it. So all of that is 100% true. But then they also realize that sin still matters, that sin still has consequences, that sin still is the opposite of love. You know, sin still is a thing that 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 ravages hearts and homes if acted upon. So it's like this tension that they have because, you know, it was a lot easier under the old covenant. There wasn't really a tension because your righteousness was found in how well you could perform the law. Um, at least in the minds of the Jews, it was. You know, we find out later on that Paul in Romans is even like, even under the old covenant, that wasn't the case. Like, look at Abraham, like his righteousness came by faith. So, um, you know, you have, but th- but in their minds, you know, they were thinking, well, all our righteousness comes by what we can perform, what we do and don't do. So it was really easy to like, um, to tell people to stop doing bad things because it's like now they're unrighteous and God's going to have to judge them. But under the new covenant, that isn't the case. Like um, they're, you know, they're understanding fully that this is all an act of God through by grace, through faith is poured out. But then they also are understanding that there's no room to continue to behave um, in, in certain evil, awful ways, that there's consequences for that. And he doesn't want them to suffer because of their own idiotic choices. So he, he just doesn't want them to suffer because they're making bad, sinful choices. He's like, I want you only, only to suffer because you're making good choices. And he, he understands they're going to enter into a time of suffering. And because they are already entering into and will enter into further a time of kind of severe suffering and persecution, he's like, I want you guys to make sure that you are in, uh, you know, living in such a way that nothing that's coming towards you that's evil and harmful is coming to you because of something you did in, an, in a negative way. But it's only coming to you because you're walking righteously. So that's his next point here in First Peter 3.13. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? In other words, like if you are proving so zealous to go after only that which is good, chasing that which is holy, going after that which is awesome, going after that which is perfect, walking in absolute love, he's like, who can harm you? And anyway, in other words, he's like, if they even were to harm you, it's like you automatically know that it's them and not you. It's just a great place to live. Like the next verse, he says this. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. So I love how he says that because he's basically saying like, look, if you're going to suffer only suffer for the sake of righteousness because when you do that you're blessed so if somebody and when you're walking in such a way of of absolute laid down love of absolute perfect love and again we're not always going to walk it out perfectly but but that's where your heart is and your intent is and you're going there Um, and then you suffer because of it you're being attacked because you love jesus he's like that's awesome because you're blessed and you know obviously jesus said the same thing kinds of things and the sermon on the mount blessed are, are they who are persecuted for my name's sake right 
Um, so that that's a really good thing. And he says, and do not fear the intimidation and do not be troubled. So obviously, you know, this sometimes there's going to be intimidation, fear of man. Fear of man is a huge issue and it's a huge deal. And I think, honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I think I can be honest with you guys is that here's the deal. Like if I have any, and I'm just going to be personal with you, and I'm sure that some of you probably could relate uh, quite a lot to this, is I don't tend to, um, most of the things I struggle with in my heart, I don't, aren't, aren't like your normal, quote unquote, normal sins. I don't, you know, I don't have an alcohol or drug or sexual uh, perversion problem or anything like that. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't have an anger issue or jealousy or like all the normal things that we kind of think of as sin. But you know what? I, I there's this whole fear of man thing, and you know I still do struggle with that. Or there's times when I'll get up to speak, or you know I walk into a room and, I, and I'll think, gosh, you know I, I don't I don't want to you know I want them to like me or I want them to look good at me. I want them to have a good impression of me. And, and I don't think that's necessarily evil, like to have that desire, but. But in me, sometimes I'll feel myself going in a weird way of defense of myself or compromise that I'll compromise something maybe that I feel like God wanted me to say and I don't. And I realized that that fear of man is, is still there at some level. And, and I'm in continual like repentance over that. So I just want to say like, you know, that thing likes to hang around. This scripture says, and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. And uh, it's like, it's a lot easier to say than do. It's like, yeah, thanks, Peter. Um, don't just get over it. Like, is what he's saying. Like, don't fear them. It's all good. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm all right. You know, you know, I've had lots of times where I was like, I can do it. I'll go into this situation. Like, I'm not going to be afraid. Like, I got this. And, um, you know, and sure enough, I'll cave to the fear of man at some level. And I, I really, I hate that about, um, you know, what's going on in my heart. But, um, but I also um, bring that constantly before the Lord. It's something I'm aware of. I don't want to walk in and, and whatever your thing is that if it's similar to me, like a fear of man, or if it's totally something else, it's like, just, just continue to confess it before him, continue to lay it before him and open up your hearts. Cause he loves you and he wants to restore you. And I love this next line. So he says, do not fear their intimidation, the fear of man, do not be troubled. And this is what literally says verse 15, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts that, that literally, well, if I was going to translate that literally, um, I would translate it set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. So in other words, like what he's basically saying, this is kind of how I read it. And I think this is what he means. And it definitely applies to my situation is that, you know, there's a, there's little elements of my heart that still would like that affirmation from men. I mean, there really is. And now we're living in this total bizarre upside down Mitzelplik culture. If you don't know what Mitzelplik is, you're just not a star, a Superman fan. Some of you guys might remember Mitzelplik comes from like this upside down opposite world and, and Superman, the only way you can get rid of Mitzelplik is to have him say his name backwards. I read the Superman comics and then of course the Hall of Justice cartoons, heck yes, um, when I was a kid. So what I mean is we live in this weird upside down world where now the whole fear of man and affirmation from people has a literal platform to build idols in people's hearts. I mean, it's totally weird. Like social media, when people post stuff, I mean, this isn't my opinion. This has been shown over and over through study after study after study. And this is especially true of young people, but not just young people, but it's especially true of young people. And that is that um, when they post something, if it doesn't get X amount of likes, X amount of loves or X amount of shares, 
or whatever, um, it actually impacts their self-esteem and it impacts their mood and it impacts their, um, like even I've read some studies, so I'm not sure how they find this out, but something about affecting their um, endorphin levels. I mean, it's just really weird. It actually affects their brain because this whole thing that has been set up is designed for affirmation of men. And it says, do not fear intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts or set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Meaning it's like he has to be absolute Lord of our hearts. There's no other, there's no room for anyone else in there. <laughs> you know, um, there's no room for, for anyone to be up there. I, this is such a funny thing, but I'm going to mention it because it's just funny. I love Arnold. Most of you guys know I've loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. I wanted to imitate him physically and I wanted to, you know, kind of be as cool as him um, <laughs> in terms of his, which I know that's probably true of a lot of people. But um, anyway, <clears throat> I remember him talking one time and he's like, he's like, it's like climbing a mountain. And how are we going to get there? How are we going to get there by climbing up? And, what, and there's no room for anyone else up there. Only for me. No room for anyone else up there. And it's kind, of, it's kind of like this, like sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. In other words, um, like there's no room for anyone but Christ to be Lord of your heart. There's no room for any fear of man. There's no room for, you know, likes to substitute him pouring into your spirit in the secret place. And, and what I mean by the secret place is just having that place with God where <clears throat> I'm not talking, you know, like I used to think when I first heard secret place that we're supposed to find like a literal secret place, like, like someplace no one knows about only you and God. <laughs> it was like, but I realized later that wasn't really what they meant. Um, but that place where God is pouring into your spirit and he is absolutely number one. And there's set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Like there's no other place for anyone to speak into you. There's no other place for you to receive affirmation from anyone. And again, there's nothing wrong in receiving affirmation and encouragement from people. In fact, the Bible commands us to do so. Encourage one another uh, even more as you see the day drawing near. That's Hebrews, I believe. Encourage one another, you know, speak in. That's all good. We're designed to receive affirmation and encouragement, but we're not designed to receive affirmation and encouragement outside of Christ. So in other words, all that affirmation and encouragement comes through the funnel as Christ as Lord in our hearts. So as it comes through, it's sanctified. So when it hits our hearts, it's healthy and it's not unhealthy. When it hits our hearts, it's been through the the filter of Christ, if you will. <laughs> it's been through Christ as Lord in our hearts. So whatever affirmation, whatever encouragement, whatever adulation, whatever, hey, you're awesomes, um, that we're getting from people, which, by the way, is all good, has, is, it isn't needed in the same way that it would be needed um, if someone didn't have Christ at the center. So when you don't have Christ sanctified as Lord over your heart, it's like this, this place is, is empty or open to receive affirmation of men, and it will always be unhealthy. It will always be gross. It will always be to the point where if you don't get it, it affects your mood. And then people who don't get it long term ended up manipulating people to get it. It's like if they're not getting enough, they kind of have to do these weird things in order to 
get you know girls we used to call it with girls fishing like fishing for a compliment we're like i'm so fat you know what's the idea you're trying to get people to say that you're skinny because you don't feel confident in how you look and it's like this weird thing and you know guys do the same thing just with different ways so but they're you know girls are more subtle about it guys are more obvious they just talk about themselves like look at all this money i made this this seven people said how awesome i was and or whatever i mean we just do that kind of stuff we're more obvious about our need for affirmation and again, it's God designed us to have a need for affirmation. It's not bad. It's just where that affirmation comes from. It's got to come directly from the throne room. And then every other kind of affirmation goes through the front throne room. So I want you just to remember that. Like our affirmation comes directly from the throne room of God through Christ because we've set aside Christ as Lord in our hearts. And every kind of affirmation, every kind of anything else that we might get from people goes through the throne room. So by the time it hits our hearts, it's sanctified, it's glorified, it's healthy, and it's whole. So he says, um, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. And that's an interesting thing. This is actually where we get our word for apologetics. So if you don't know what apologetics is, that would be, it literally means defense. So when he says, uh, yeah, he yeah, even translates it like that here, always being ready to make a defense. That's um, the root word of the Greek apologia, which um, means to make an argument for, to basically have an understanding of, to be able to explain why you believe what you believe. I mean, that's how we've kind of applied it. Like the study of apologetics is essentially like how to prove that God exists, how to prove the Bible is the word of God, how to prove Christ lived and died and was resurrected, how to argue what you believe is your worldview at a powerful, logical, consistent and experiential level. That, that's essentially what apologetics is. And the, the study of apologetics and the art of apologetics, uh, we have some really good apo- Christian apologists that are out there right now um doing an amazing uh, frank Turek is one of them if you like i like frank Turek a lot i think he's a really good guy and he does a real good job with apologetics there's another guy named dr lane uh, william, william lane craig i think is his name william lane craig he's another awesome guy I, I way recommend looking him up he's just got a great heart and a, and a powerful mind so anyways this is uh this is that that phrase to be able to make a defense but here's how he puts it. But let's look at the actual context of it. Remember, we just read, he's basically like, don't fear people, don't be troubled by them, but place Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. So in other words, like if you have Christ at the core, he's basically saying you'll be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account. Um, of the hope that is within you. It's like you're so secure. I, I kind of read it like you're so secure in Christ that when somebody challenges you, you're actually totally at peace. They challenge what you believe. They challenge what you say. They challenge all this thing about about Christ and his life. And you're able to give an account for the hope that is within you because he goes, yet with gentleness and reverence, yet with gentleness and reverence. And I think right there, he's just saying like, look, you know, you're like, <laughs> I was just like tripping over my words here. He's basically saying, look, if you have Christ at the absolute center of who you are, you've placed him, you set him apart as Lord over your heart, then you're so secure. You're so at rest. You're so at peace that when people come at you and say, hey, 
explain this. Tell me what's going on. You're, you don't get defensive. You don't get angry. You don't get weird. You're able to just at peace, because he says with gentleness and with reverence, you're able to communicate all of the awesome stuff that God has done for you, is doing in your life, and who he is, and, and what is happening, and, and your love without getting angry. Because I don't know how often I've seen, like, you know, somebody challenges somebody else's faith or the walk with Christ, and it's like, rah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And usually I'll, I'll hear that in Christian circles. It's not like atheists coming at somebody, although that happens from time to time, especially online. But what I really see is like this defensive religious person gets all angry because somebody made a comment about something that they don't like. You know, that they're like, ah, like you just, well, well, here's a good for instance. Like I actually was on, um, on Sunday, I was asked to give a brief testimony at my church about my kind of my relationship with the Bible and sort of my history with the Bible. And one of the things I said was I said, hey, um, you know, the Bible is awesome. I now love the Bible. I talked about how I hated it, but I moved to loving it. Um, But I said, you know what? There are people who actually worship the Bible and don't worship God. And of course, we know that to be true because the Pharisees were those exact people. There are people who worship basically the scriptures, but didn't worship God. And Jesus makes this point. He says, like, you search the scriptures thinking in me or thinking in them that you'll find me. But here I am standing in front of you and you don't see me. And basically saying that you guys worshipped the words on the page instead of the God of the words on the page. And now when that God is actually manifested in the flesh in front of you, you can't even see him because you're worshipping the Bible that they have. You're worshipping the Torah and the Talmud instead of worshipping God, the God of the Torah. And because you've missed the spirit of the law and you've actually worshipped the letter of the law, you're missing the, the God himself as he's manifested in your generation, which is super sad. So anyway, all I was making the point was saying that. I was saying like, look, um, there's people who worship the Bible and not the God of the Bible. Well, somebody in there took great offense and got super mad at me. Now, they didn't come to me. I think they, most people don't confront me directly, um, you know, for whatever reason. If you see me in real life, you probably know why that is. But anyways, <laughs> most people just don't do that. But they got all mad, and I heard about it through the grapevine. They're all offended, you know, that I said that. And that's usually what you find is people that aren't secure in the Father's love. They aren't secure in who they are in Christ. So no one can challenge anything that they believe without them getting all offended and angry and upset and like, who do they think they are? And rah, 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 rah. Um, No gentleness and reverence um, in their hearts in that regard. And that's because they worship the Bible. And <laughs> not the God of the Bible is kind of making my point for me by by his very reaction, by this person's reaction. But anyway, so he's saying, look, there's no reason to ever get defensive or weird or angry. It's like, no, gentleness and reverence is where we're going to stay because we're finding all of our peace, all of our hope, and all of our love in Christ. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening. We're going to continue. We got to verse 15. We'll continue verses 16, and we'll go on through this. And it gets even more intense later on. It gets gets to some really cool points that are argued a lot. So I'll try and do a good job explaining that as we go through the word. All right. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through his word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the give link. Thank you.